Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, th this is the season of Advent, and we lock in on four different words, four different themes uh, for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, and the first one is the theme of hope. It's a theme of hope. And so uh, today, we, we light these candles. Did anybody grow up in a church where you lit Advent candles? Raise your hand. Uh, about six or seven of you. Fantastic. Uh, that's about twice as many as in the uh, 830 service. So uh, it's good. I, I didn't grow up in this church either, but man, this is a, it's a good tradition for us simply because it, it causes us to pause. It causes us to stop and to think hard about the things that are true in our lives and in our world, uh, even in the midst of all the crazy that is. And so we light these candles, uh, not because they're particularly anything uh, special, but because they're visual cues for us. They're visual, and we like to play the game of, can the pastor actually light the candle the first time out? Yeah? Who's got money on me? Okay, we'll see what happens. Uh, but they're visual cues for us. Yeah, see? Uh-huh. Tyler bought the good candles this time around. Um, just kidding. They're visual cues for us to remind ourselves uh, that no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our lives, uh, we can uh, live with these particular words in mind and express them uh, to the world. And so today uh, we uh, light the candle of hope. So in uh, this series, uh, for the first few weeks especially, we're going to be talking about uh, pictures, if you will, of Christ from the Old Testament. And so we'll be doing today hope uh, from the story of Noah. And what I would like to do is just crowdsource the, the story of Noah a little bit. Can we do that together? Okay, so every section will kind of be its own uh, particular thing. And we'll start with this section over here. So y'all are the first ones. You just tell me one thing about the story of Noah, preferably if you're a smaller kid, because last time in the 830 service, we got into flying squirrels, which is completely awesome. It was amazing. I mean, it was really fantastic. And then we'll work our way down, which means this section over here, y'all better dig deep into the Noah trivia because you'll have three sections before you. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so over here, Noah, crowdsource. Give me one thing about the story of Noah that you know. Who's, you're going to have to speak more loudly so I can hear. Josiah, was that you? Say it real loud, buddy. He built an ark, everybody. Noah built an ark. And just so we're clear, because these people over here, they're not so sure. What's an ark, buddy? A giant boat. That's exactly right. Okay, like a cruise ship for animals or something like that, right? Without the buffet. Awesome. Okay, thank you so very much, Josiah. Okay, all right, so uh, crowdsourcing number two. Oh, I've got a hand raised in the back. Go ahead. He put animals on, and what were you going to say? Oh, and then he flooded stuff. That's fairly important. That's a big part of this. Go ahead. He flooded the world. Yes, he did. Were you going to add something to it? No? You're good now? Gee, stole all your thunder. I got it. Okay, so we've got an ark, and we've got animals and flooding. Crowdsourcing number three. That's terrible, isn't it, Richard? I'm preaching that long. I mean, that's, that's, that's something, isn't it? Preaching without people listening.
Richard Crum, everybody. Okay. And, uh, okay, it's, it's, it's section four right here. Go ahead. Fantastic. So he sent a dove out. In the earlier service, he sent a stork out, which was a new twist on things. Yeah, and there were, there were people who were really glad that he didn't come back with it. The stork didn't come back with a baby. It was a whole thing. It was kind of a, it was awesome, though. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly, exactly right. So you kind of got the picture here of Noah. Uh, Noah was commanded by God uh, to build an ark, a really, really big, really big boat. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. And um, he did so because God was fairly frustrated with how things were going in the world. Um, animals two by two, uh, male and female, uh, they, it rained, it flooded the whole world. Um, and uh, th- there was a, uh, a moment where uh, it, that, all of that um, stopped and came to pass. So this is great. You did a great job, everybody. You should give yourselves... <laughs> turkey. That's, that's a, that is a turkey hand clap right there. You're like tepid. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, here's, that's the story, but, but here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment, highlight a couple of things about hope in that story, and then talk about how it specifically uh, relates, uh, how it relates to Christmas. Okay, so we're going to start uh, in chapter 6, verse 3. We got some ground to cover, but just hang in there with me. Chapter 6, uh, verse 3. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for his flesh, his year shall be Uh, His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim uh, were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, they bore children to them. That's a whole big confusing thing. But uh, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Verse 5, the Lord saw, this is the part, the the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry. I am sorry that I have made them. So um, two statements and then this third reflection, okay? The, The first statement is this, regarding hope in the story of Noah. Hope came in the midst of chaos. The cultural melee that was Noah's day um, was marked by a kind of immorality and violence. Immorality and violence. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Like that, that day and this day. He didn't have a, uh, a SUV driving down a parade route, but you get the idea that these kinds of things are still, I mean, the, the violence that he saw is the violence that we see and the immorality that he had to live around is the immorality that we um, have to live around too. Violence and immorality. So, so hope comes, I mean, don't think of Noah's day as those people think of it as, boy, it looks, sounds, smells a lot like our day. Hope came in the midst of chaos. And how, how did that hope come? I just want to um, highlight a couple of things here. Look, look at verse 8 now. You ready? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor um, in the eyes of the Lord. So before Noah built the boat, before obedience, before anything else, right in the midst of all the chaos and, that was the culture of the day, that's when hope came. Right then, that's when hope came. That's important because some of us think God 
this world is too crazy right now. I don't know where you are or what you're doing. And it's in the midst of the chaos. It's in the midst of that that hope comes. Church family, in our lives, God, I don't know where you were, what you were doing in my life. In the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your upside-down, topsy-turvy world, in the midst of your moment, hope can come. Hope rises in the midst of chaos. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that, that meant two things. Number one, it put God at the center of the story. Why is that important? But because sometimes in our lives, and certainly in our culture, we are tempted to write ourselves into the middle of this story. This whole thing should be about me, about what I want, don't want, how I am comfortable or not, and on and on and on. And this puts God at the center of the story. And church family, listen to me. That is good news that God is at the center of the story. That it wasn't hinging on Noah. Why? Because Noah didn't have the oomph. He did not have the the gravitational pull, so to speak, to bring things into order around him so that they would do what they were supposed to do. You don't either. I don't either. The only one with enough mass, so to speak, for all you astrophysicist types, the only one with enough oomph to bring things into order in orbit around him is God himself. This is God at the center of this story. This story is about God. And that's good news for you and me. Secondly, it shows that God takes the initiative. He moves toward us in grace. Before Noah obeyed, before he did anything right, wrong, up, down, sideways. Listen, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God was clear that the world that he created was not the world it is. And by the way, that's on us. It's not on God. So the message of hope, where hope blossomed, where it arose, contrasted with the terrifying situation that was in culture and the even worse judgment that was to come. God spoke and he he pursued Noah. Noah found favor. Noah found favor. um, And that's where hope came, right in the midst of the chaos. And again, I just say that's really important. Because God, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of your chaos, God is moving toward you as well. God takes the initiative towards you. And again, it's good news, church family. Here's why. Um, if I woke up tomorrow and I decide, yeah, today I'm going to follow God and it's on me, then, tomorrow, then Tuesday and I woke up and I'm like, eh, never mind, not so much. I, I'm fickle. God's not. So, so I'm committing my life to a God who's in pursuit of me. I, it shows that God takes initiative. Noah found favor. And then secondly, under this, look at verse 9. These are the generation of Noah. He was a righteous man. Why? Because he had found favor in God's sight. Blameless in his generation. Noah, here, don't miss this last phrase. Verse 9, Noah walked with God. The, the sustaining part of Noah as he experienced the things that unfolded. The sustain, what sustained him was this ongoing relationship with God. He did, um, we say this a lot around here, and so I just want to recognize that we say it a lot, but I think it's important because some of us have a kind of a religious residue or holdover um, from, from a different line of thinking. I just want to set this out there and say this. Um, like some people think Christianity, you make a one-time decision and then you just kind of hang on until heaven happens. 
That, that is not the message of Christianity. It is, it is, let's put our trust in Jesus. Let's follow him. Let, let's commit our lives to him. Let's be forgiven of our sin. Let him take up resonance in my life and then begin to live with him. And if I make that decision on a Tuesday, then Wednesday I get up and you know what I do? I walk with him. And Thursday, I get up and I walk with him. And Friday, I get up and what do I do? I walk with him. So Jesus says that this way, if anyone wants to be my follower, anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross every Sunday and follow me. Oh, no, no, that's not what he said. What did he say? If anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, how often? Daily, 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 and follow me, and follow me. Noah was sustained through all the things that he had to work through by an ongoing relationship. Church family, listen, do you know how you also will be sustained? By an ongoing relationship. Noah walked with God. It may be true of you as well. Secondly, hope worked itself out in obedience. Hope led to obedience. And we want to get this right and get this order right. Um, Noah found favor in God's sight. God moved in his life. Noah walked with God and that expressed itself in obedience because church family, the reason why this is important is because in this day and in this age um, where fear and chaos are ruling and reigning and all sorts of things are happening out in the culture in Noah's day and in our day, it's not the... um, It's not the people who just say some stuff or post some stuff or um, tweet some stuff that are different. It's the people who actually engage in an obedient life. That is what sets people apart. So Noah's hope led to his obedience. Our hope leads to ours as well. There were a couple of things under here I just want to highlight. Okay, Um, So the, the rest of chapter six is the description And we'll talk about it in just a second. But the rest of chapter 6 is a description of the boat and what Noah's supposed to do, the ark. Verse 22 now, the very last verse in chapter 6. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded. So he built the ark as God commanded. He worked the thing as God commanded. He did the things that he was supposed to do as God commanded. And this could not have been easy. There is nothing wrong with hard work. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that. I just thought I'd put it out there, though. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Nothing. Noah had to work to build the ark. In fact, the scale, as it's described here, is supposed to to wow us. Back in chapter 6, verse 15, uh, 300 cubits, 450 feet long, um, breadth 50 cubits, 75 feet, and its height 30 cubits, 45 feet. I mean, the scale, when you look at it, when you think about it, you're supposed to go, oh my gosh, that's a big boat. The the scale is supposed to wow us. It's supposed to go, oh, I have never, uh uh-uh, I don't, I do not. I cannot fathom that. His hope in God led to obedience, and that obedience expressed itself in this particular case um, by building. It couldn't have been easy, but it's not necessarily bad to work hard. Um, You you can read it in the middle of chapter 6 there, but I'll just highlight it for you. Um, There were some pretty clear instructions on some things. Um, at no point, though, did God get in, give any instructions for a rudder or a sail. There were no instructions. 
for how to steer the thing. I know we got some coasties in here, some boat people, but there were no instructions for a rudder. How do we steer this thing? No instructions. Or sail. How do we move this thing from one place to another? No instructions. I think what that communicates to you and to me is, God, everything, everything is in your hands. I don't need to make adjustments to God's plans. I don't have to stress about that. I can just entrust myself to you. Is there hard work to be done? Yes, absolutely. But God, I can entrust myself to you. Even to the point where when, when the story started unfolding that down in chapter 7, uh, verse 16, and those, that, excuse me, and those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and then the Lord shut him in. So who, who closed the door? God did. God's the one who did it. So even to that point, God's the one who shut the door. God, we are in your hands. Maybe it sounds something like this for you and for me. Um, God, if you have a plan, and I believe you do, I don't want to get ahead of it, and I don't want to get out of step. I don't want to try to supplement with my wisdom the very thing that you're unfolding. Building is obedience. The second part of hope leading to obedience. Here's my guess. Just knowing our particular cultural context, knowing the things of, uh, I mean, the people who are sitting out here um, and the things that you get to do on a day-in, day-out basis, my guess is hard work, building, that's not necessarily your problem. The second one, that may be more of a challenge, waiting is obedience. Waiting is obedience. I point you to uh, uh, chapter 7. Um, look at verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. And then his um, sons and wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the flood and along with this. So w- waiting is obedience. Uh, down in uh, chapter uh, uh, seven, verse 17, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. Okay. So we got, we got this unfolding now. The, the story is at that point where the rains have started, the, the floodwaters are rising. And what does Noah get to do? He gets to wait. He, he gets to wait. I'll give you some bullets here just to think about. He gets to wait through the storm. Look back at verse 11. Of chapter 7, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, verse 12, and the rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. It's a long time to be raining. And Noah waited through the storm. Um, I, I don't think we have to push very hard, but let me just do this and ask this question. In whatever storm you may be facing now, how are you doing on the, on the waiting? It's day 36 or so. How are you doing? Waiting through the storm. L- look at chapter 7. Skip down to verse 24. And the, water, the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So he not only waited through the storm, all the rain that was coming, but also he waited through the routine because you're on the boat with all these animals and your family and your in-laws. 
and you're wading through the routine of this. I don't know what a day on an ark looked like. My guess is it wasn't like a cruise ship. I don't think there were many excursions to be had during this time. I think instead it was just a whole lot of routine. And just the day in, day out grind. Just the, God, we want to trust you. We want to put our hope in you. We want to um, obey you. We want to um, be patient through this routine as things go. Now, down to chapter 8. Look at verses 3 and 4. The waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month of the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Ararat. So you've waited through the storm, 40 days and 40 nights of just crazy. You've waited through the routine. Well, at least it's not raining anymore. And now you're waiting through uncertainty because all of a sudden your big boat has lodged somewhere. You're like, where am I? What's going on? What's happening? Are we going to stay? Will we float off? What's going to go on? Waiting through the uncertainty. Anybody feel that? Anybody in your life, in your relationship with God right now, do you feel like, God, I am waiting through this uncertainty? I, I don't know what you're doing. We'll see here in just a minute. Even, God, when I don't see it, you're working. I just, I'm uncertain. And then lastly, skip down to verse 14 of chapter 8. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. And God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife, your sons, your sons' wives with you. Bring out your, um, every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and so forth. He, he sent out a dove once. The dove came back. Sent out a dove a second time. Didn't come back. He waited through right to the very and he waited until God said, now, now it's time. Now it's time. And that's critical, I think, because the earth that before, I mean, he could have gotten off earlier possibly, but the earth wasn't ready for him. And church family, this is what I wrote down for me. In, I think there is a temptation to cut short what God wants to do in full. And when we um, give in to that temptation, when we say, God, I see the shortcut, I'm going to make it through the parking lot here instead of waiting at the light, I'm going to take, it is to our detriment that we do that. The land wasn't ready for them. God was preparing it. And in our lives, waiting through to the very end, whatever that may look like, waiting through to the very end. That is an expression of our obedience that is fueled by our hope. We don't have to short circuit everything that God did. So Noah, hope came right in the midst of the chaos. Hope led to his obedience. And let me just give you a couple of reflections here. Um, This is the kind of banner reflection that hope brought salvation. And that that salvation came, first of all, salvation came out of the chaos. Salvation arose right out of the chaos. It, It wasn't like God set it all aside and then brought, no, no, it came right out of the chaos. Secondly, salvation came because Noah was obedient. He did what God said. A couple, two or three times here we saw Noah did it. Noah did it. Noah did as God commanded. Through his obedience, salvation 
came. And lastly, it was because of faith. It was because of faith. Salvation came because of faith. Those, it, it came to those who got on the ark with him. Those who heard and obeyed and followed. Th- those who believed what Noah um, had said to do, what God had said to do through Noah. It was, and, and that salvation, it was only through those who, um, for those who believed. It was only for those who believed um, and then followed. So let me just pause here. Now you, you look at the, the kind of text up on the screen here. This is where we see Christmas in the story of Noah. This is where we see hope translating about 39 books forward in the story. Because Jesus came right in the midst of chaos. When a political power, world-dominating power um, had, had uh, kind of impressed itself, um, set itself down on the kind of known world of the time. And it was marked, the culture was marked by immorality and violence. Noah's time, Roman time. And into that stepped God himself in Jesus. And it was through the obedience of Jesus that salvation came. Jesus, the the baby born in a manger, grew up and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And because somebody needed to live a sinless life, if you and I um, were going to try, man, we would fail miserably. You don't have to look five minutes over your shoulder for that right there. But Jesus stepped into this world and he lived a perfectly sinless life. And he was obedient to God where you and I could not be so that his obedience could count um, in our place. And not just living a perfect sinless life, but he also died in obedience to God. So Paul in Philippians chapter two says this, that Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Salvation came through his obedience. And salvation came because of faith. When you and I put our trust in Jesus and what he has done for us, we receive forgiveness for our sins. um, We receive the cleansing that we need. And Jesus gives us new life and takes up residence in us by his spirit so that we can live as people of hope. Folks, it's not like the world doesn't need more hope right now. A a, a culture that's locked up in fear and any number of other things, a culture that's marked by the same things that we've talked about over and over and over again, man, it needs a word and a model of hope. Salvation came out of the chaos. Salvation came through the obedience of Jesus. Salvation came because of our response of faith to who Jesus is and what he has done. And so if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you today to put your trust in Christ. If you're watching online, man, the best thing that you could do is to give your life to Christ, receive forgiveness and cleansing and freedom, and then a new kind of power um, will take up residence in you because the Spirit of God will come to live in you, and you will have hope and learn to live in obedience to him. If you're here in the room And today can be the day that you come to know Christ and experience forgiveness and experience new life, experience hope. 
and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, the, the, the reflection is simply what, what we talked about just a moment ago. Are there, are there places where hope is giving you expression in obedience? Where, where maybe it's building something, doing something, or maybe it's waiting on something. What is it for you? Let me pray for us. We'll have a song of response. And we'll be back um, for some announcements and dismissal. But let's, let's pray first. Father, now in Jesus' name, we're here. And you've spoken. And we pray um, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would give us hope. For some of us, Father, it's because we're facing some circumstances that are really, really overwhelming. For some of us, it's because they're just, there's a cloud, there's darkness, there, there's a storm, there's something in us that just feels like, God, we're going we're gonna to get, we're going to drown in this. We're going to. For some of us, Father, it's just because we look around at the culture and we're like, man, this is nuts. But the good news is, is that Noah's social media feed and timeline look just like ours. And you did something then. And God, you did something in the first century in Jesus and you can do something now. So I've I pray over all of us here, all of us watching online. God, we would know the salvation that you want to bring to our lives. We would know the freedom that you want to bring to our lives. We would know the hope that you're offering to us. Not something ethereal, but something rooted and grounded in a person and what he has done for us. We sang a while ago, thank you for Jesus. Yes to that. May we be people of hope as a result of it. We ask this in his name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen.